Thank you for listening to audio from Glen Meadows Baptist Church. We hope it blesses you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're not a current member of Glen Meadows, we encourage you to visit one of our services, Sundays at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Today's uh, message is on adultery. It's uh, in the Ten Commandments. God's Word says, do not commit adultery. And at Glen Meadows, we do not shy away from the subjects of God's Word for, for no reason, no how. Amen? So we're going to go after it, uh, uh, and I pray that as we do, we, we tackle this subject with all uh, sincerity and honor before God. However, allowing God to, to speak to our hearts as we move in this direction, and let us see His Word uh, clearly as it is written. So we're, we're going to move forward in the subject, and, and before we move forward, I'm going to read the, the passage we're going to camp on, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about some things, and we're going to go back to that passage as we uh, land this uh, subject. Matthew 5, 27 through 30 is what I'll be reading, Matthew 5, chapter 27, verse 30. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. And if you get it open there, you can kind of keep it thumb marked because we'll go back to there later on. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's the passage today. Today is on do not commit adultery. And we we will see that the same charge is all is the same charge as last week when Pastor Mac talked on do not commit murder. But today, this one probably uh, is going to challenge us in ways we may not have thought before. I hope that it does as we go forward. In order to uh, identify adultery, we must begin by understanding first what adultery is, but backing up what is God's design for marriage. Because once we understand God's design for marriage, we begin to then understand why do not commit adultery, why that command from God is so important. Uh, Before we get started on understanding God's design for adultery, let's talk about where we're at in America today. Uh, Now, before I tell you where we're at in America today, I want to set the playing field that from the beginning of time, uh, as we know it, that sin and sexual sin has been something that man and woman have struggled with from the beginning. So while we look at areas in America where we might be struggling, we must recognize, though, this is not a new struggle. The enemy just has new tactics. Does that make sense? All right, so here, here's some statistics that, that as I was reading and going through became very, uh, uh, very, dis, uh, very concerning. Uh, the majority of the population w- would agree uh, that, that it is entirely appropriate for people to now cohabitat. So as we get into the, the sanctity of marriage and God's design for marriage, we live in a society today where the majority begin to look at it and say, it's okay to live together before you get married to see if that will be a good endeavor for you to tie the knot one day. That's, that's, that's just a statistic, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. Divorce rates among conservative Christians, uh, conservative Christians are higher than most other uh, uh, uh 
denominations or of uh, faiths. While there are many disagreements on this next statistic, the divorce rate in the church is similar to the divorce rate with non-Christians. Now, I'm not going to say it's the same. I'm not going to say it's higher or lower. When you look at the stats, they don't make sense. You know, it, it fluctuates. So I can say with certainty that if you were to go say, was Jim saying what he was saying was accurate? I'm saying, yes, it, it's accurate in saying this. They are both very high. Now, now, where they're at today, the stats fluctuate again, and they say, and they go anywhere between thirty percent and fifty percent. Okay, so if the stats go anywhere between thirty and fifty percent, let's err on the side of caution. Let's take it all the way down to thirty percent. So, what does that mean? So, for every ten couples that we see in this congregation today, the odds are that three of those couples will have dealt with the issue of divorce. And the reason why we say divorce, not adultery, is this: because the the, the top reasons for divorce rated up there comes back to adultery. So, so the, the when you look around, you will see inside this congregation. This is this is the point I want to make. Inside our congregation today, it would be impossible for us to say that nobody here has struggled with this issue. So, so that that that's what we're trying to say. So, so Jesus later on, or already has, and later on we're going to explore how he leveled that playing field. So Jesus has brought that into a degree in which we all can understand that it impacts more than just who we think. All right, so <clears throat> the top three, consistent to most reports, the top three are infidelity, lack of intimacy, and un un unmet expectations. Unmet expectations is probably why we have such a high degree of people accepting cohabitation. Right? So when we look at that, we begin to understand that. Why is that important for us? Because we need to recognize that in America today, defining a marriage constituted by God and his design is paramount before we move forward and then begin to define sin and accept that God's word is complete and accurate in what his definition of adultery is. Without those two pillars banked on by God's word, then we begin to have a skewed assessment on what we mean when we say do not commit adultery because the only way that we have a right definition is grounded through God's word. So that's where we're at today. We want to begin to move forward and say, okay, God, what do you say? What is your rule? What is your story about us and how we are to walk forward in relationships with one another? Big breath. All right. So now go ahead and open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We're going to start from the beginning. In the beginning in Genesis, because God immediately levels the standard for how he views relationship. For how he views relationship. So we're going to start in verse 18, but we know what's happened before that, right? We know that God has created the earth. He's created everything in it. And uh, we have within that creation of those first six days, because on the seventh day, we know that he rested, right? And so in, in, amidst God's creation, God creates man. And then God now is, here, here's Adam, and, and, here's, and here's what's going on. Then, the, then we're going to start in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, I will make a helper corresponding to him. There were times I thought in my life that I would be very happy being a hermit. Uh, that was before I got married. I better clarify that or I'm going to need counseling. Um, but here's the deal. There was times I thought that I could be alone. Well, while, why I might think that I could be alone or, or I enjoy more solitude of my favorite movies like Castaway because like, man, that guy got seven years of nothing but losing weight and spearing fish and pulling out his teeth with a with a skate thing, that was really weird. But the, the, that was, okay, so anyway, so the point is, 
that's not, that's not what matters. God says it's not good for man to be alone. No, no matter how much we love the solitude, no matter what we think we might like, we know this, loneliness was not part of God's design. He looked in, he looked down, and he sees what's going on. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. That's a tough job. I, I, I don't know where I, I heard it, but I mean, could you, uh, I can't name 10 animals on my own with my own new names. That's a flip of bottom is whatever, hookah, whatever. I don't know what I would call names. I mean, can you imagine doing all that? That's, that's quite a job, right? I don't know what I would call him. So, so here's Adam and he's got, he's got the saying and here he's going. And whatever the man called the living creature, that's what its name. Uh, good job, Adam. Um, the, man, the, the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Both the man and the wife were naked and felt no shame. I watched a, a pastor do a wedding one time and um, uh, he, he was explaining to, to the bride the bridegroom, right? He's talking to him and he says, uh, uh, understand this, what God says, what, what man has put together. He, he said, imagine two pieces of paper. Now take it and, and put on one side a piece of paper, a bunch of Elmer's glue. Now put those two pieces together and let them dry. Now try to separate those two pieces of paper without tearing them. I, I, I haven't tried it, but my imagination says don't bother. You see, because it says, it says uh, God has bonded them together and they have become one flesh. People, God's design is this. When he looked down and he saw that it was not good for man to be alone, he took the pieces of the biggest puzzle you've ever thought of. And, it's, and I hate puzzles. If it's got more than 20 pieces, I can't do it. But he looks at each one of you, look at your spouses to your left or your right, whichever your spouse is on the other side. And those of you that are, that are single, uh, Students, be praying about who God has for you one day. Be praying for that puzzle piece because he's got someone for you. Be patient and trust him. Now, now, now look to them and think about this. God uniquely designed, designed you two for each other and brought you together. You are two puzzle pieces in a very big puzzle that uniquely fit as part of God's design. God, God loves us and he is intimate about his love for us and he wants us to experience a healthy God-centered marriage for our lives and look to your spouse and see that God has put you two together and that is your spouse, that is your puzzle piece, that is his design. It is one man and one woman. Unlike what he did for the wild animals. We are not wild animals. And here's what God didn't do. He didn't create another animal. He didn't create another man. He didn't create them separately from one another. We are different. Genesis chapter 1 verse 18 says that we are created in God's image. We are special. It's okay to say that. God created us in his image. And he created us 
from one another. He took Adam's rib and he created woman out of Adam or man, and he brought them together and said, you two are uniquely joined, and it's a beautiful, intimate relationship, and what a blessing from God that we have. Be thinking about that, because the weight of do not commit adultery, the weight of what we see next to come in God's command is this. It tears apart the fabric of the greatest gift, man to woman, that we could ever be given. The greatest gift we're ever given is Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he paid on the cross for us, but the greatest gift of companionship on earth is your spouse. As you look into that, be thinking about this because it must carry weight. It must carry weight that God created us uniquely. It must carry weight that we're created in his image. It must carry weight that we are not animals left to circumstance. We are unique and our spouse was created for us. And unless we begin to grab hold of that fabric or foundation of marriage, then I'll tell you what, then the idea of adultery or sexual immorality becomes flippant and wild. And before you know it, we have succumbed to the, the enemy's wishes and we have undone God's design. Our marriage was supposed to be binding. So when he said, come together, and he said, the two are one flesh, and here's his design. It is something that was, that was viewed and seen and honored and put together by God. In Malachi, it's addressed that this is not just an exclusive uh, relationship of just every man with every woman. It's one man and one woman. And then not only that, it had a mission. And God gave us a design for loneliness, and he gave us a design, right, to be fruitful and multiply. He gave us a joy to experience within the context of marriage with a mission to be fruitful and multiply. And he also acknowledges that it's a covenant. It's special. Just briefly in Malachi verses, uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, because even though the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, you have acted tre treacherously against her. She was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. It's a solid decision that we make. It's not a cohabitation. It's not a, a try before you make a decision. It's a beautiful, intimate thing that God has brought together. And it's a covenant by which you make vows. You make vows before God and before others to honor the constitution of marriage that God has given us. It's a beautiful step. It also says in Matthew 19, verse 4, Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female? He also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Okay, so we've read that. Now Jesus is affirming that. And then he says, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. See, not only did we say the piece of paper and you put it together, you tear it apart, but we have conclusively looked into God's word and we have determined this, this, God does not intend for man and woman to be joined together in marriage and then for that piece of paper to be torn apart through divorce. It doesn't intend. So what do we do with that? What do we do next when we acknowledge these fundamentals, because now we have to come to the point, what happens in the case of adultery? 
Because we know, we know what? We know God created us. We were uniquely designed by God. We were designed not to be alone. He made us that perfect puzzle piece, that helper that we were supposed to have. He had a mission for us to be fruitful and multiply, that we should never be torn apart. He had this perfect design for man and woman, and his intention is beautiful. And we know that God is intimate with with his people because he so beautifully put it together for us. But then this terrible thing gets into America today, this terrible, terrible thing called adultery called sexual immorality that gets involved in our marriages and the enemy is wreaking havoc within the lives of the church and outside the church today through this sin. I don't know what everybody's thinking. I don't know if you've been through this already. I don't know if you're going through it. I don't know if there's unconfessed sin. I don't know if you have someone at work that you may be aware of, that you might be thinking, oh my goodness, I'm watching a marriage and they're going down the wrong trail. What do I do next? I don't know where your heart is at, but I know this. God loves and he forgives and he's right here, ready to restore you today. Make no mistake, the enemy wants you to believe this. This is what he wants you to believe. You can't be forgiven, be guiltful, be shameful, hide, bury it, and don't ever let it out of the closet. But God's word says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what God's word says. I don't care what the enemy says. I care what my Father in heaven says. But he does forgive. There's hope. This is a message of hope. It's for us to grab hold of it. What are we going to do next? Let's identify the sin. Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, we've got to the point. So what, what is adultery? What does it mean? It says, for from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts. Okay, let's stop there because we're, we're going to go a little further with that when we get back to our verse that we opened up with, Matthew chapter 5, because it's out of the heart that all this st- stuff begins to take place. But it also makes sense when you look at the definition of sexual immoralities because it comes from the word pornei. Well, that's the word we use today for pornography. You, you see, there, there's more, there, there's a generality in which th- this is being brought in that is making it broader than just saying that it's just one particular sexual sin that, and it's the only thing that counts. Sexual immorality is broad to the point and specific in its broadness to the point that we can define this. Any sexual act uh, that, that we commit outside the framework and constitution of God's design for marriage ultimately boils down to it is sin. And he brings it, he says, sexual immoralities. Thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. You know, uh, whether I like it or not is irrelevant, but I do like it because it helps us understand when people say, you know, uh, what I view or what I take in through the eyes doesn't damage me. The answer is yes, sir and ma'am, it does. It's a window and portal to the soul. It it defiles a person and it reduces everyone around you, especially the opposite sex, to an object or a thing. And that is not part of God's design. We are to be companions with the one that we marry and there is supposed to be intimacy. And it destroys that framework and begins to break it down. It's sin. And it's okay to say that. 
So we run through, we see the first four commands are dealing with our horizontal relationship with God, and then the next six commands are our horizontal relationships with one another. And so now as we look into this, we begin to say, okay, so, so, so adultery is, is what? Adultery is when a husband or a wife choose to have a sexual relationship outside the framework of marriage. What are some examples? There is physical. There's enough example there. There is mental. We just cleared that. And there is also emotional. So many people can get tricked into any one of those. Emotional affairs can be just as dangerous. Men and women are guilty of all three. Or is, is, is one of us more hardwired another way? Men may be a little more hardwired to physical, but if there's an emotional affair, it took a man to be involved in that anyways, right? And, it, but it, and, and then ladies look for e- emotional uh, needs to be met. Either way, men come in and pray, but understand this, sin is sin, and no one is exempt from that. So as we begin to look at those things and we run through it, we recognize, wait a minute. So Jesus is saying, don't commit adultery. We know we, we, we define by God's word what, what it is. And we know what we know what adultery is wrong. But we know that all sexual immorality is wrong. And today is about uh, focusing on the adultery issue. But if you're single, whoever you are, don't think that it's just a matter of the you don't have to be married here today to recognize there are decisions that you need to make in your relationship with God that might need to be calling you to a pure or higher standard. And according to God's word, that's what he is calling us to. And you know now, if you haven't known, that there are areas in our lives that we may be needing to get cleaned out that need to be taken care of. So we move to the next thing, and it's this. So what do we do next? How do we begin to to move forward in this decision? Well, let's start by going back to Matthew chapter 5, and let's let's start today there. Matthew chapter 5, 27 through 30. Now we have the foundation. So here Jesus is coming in. It's okay. It's a, it's, a, it's a sermon on the mount. And last week, Pastor Matt talked about do not commit murder. And, and what did it say? If you did it in your heart, you've already done it. And so so let's, see, let's see if he says anything different in Scripture with adultery. You have heard, it, heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery, adultery within her in his heart. Now let's get something straight. We're so quick to judge others when we hear of an affair that's taken place in a marriage, but, but, but even within the affair, it's rarely true that the one spouse can look and say, I have never thought of another person. I have never dreamed that I, what would life would be like if I had married someone else. I have never thought out things in my head. I am completely 100% pure and innocent in this relationship. If you're that person, Good. But I I believe two things. I think Jesus brought this out. He leveled the playing field and he took it right where it needed to be. He's concerned with our hearts. I've seen marriages where where someone has just been, been so distraught and so hurt by the person that did it. And I get that. I think Jesus gets that. That's sarcasm. He does. That's why there is the allowance of permitting divorce in the case of adultery, marital unfaithfulness. Because I, this is just, just my feeling, but I, leave, I believe that, that there, there is, there is just a point someone gets to in their heart that is so broken, they, they don't know if they can move forward. Because so, so, something crushes. Because you've joined together, something's starting to get torn. 
But, but, but just, just, just bear with me. Just maybe, maybe, maybe you think that with all the grace and all the mercy and all that we take from Jesus and all that he gives us, that maybe, maybe he wants us to try to restore our marriages before we run off and call them done right away. Maybe God wants us to begin working on them. Now, now I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the one who's been offended is, is at issue here. The heart is broken. The heart is shattered. But I, I will say this with all confidence. God can restore any heart, any time. If you want to read scripture, and if you here are struggling today, maybe, maybe you're the person sitting here and you're thinking, I have confession that I need to get done, and I got to go home and talk to my wife, well, or, or I got to go home and talk to my husband. I don't know what that is, but we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Maybe you might be thinking that. Maybe that's something that you need in your life right now to say that it needs to get out. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that, that Jesus is waiting for you, and he wants to restore your marriage, and he loves you. And it's time that the church starts enjoying healthy marriages again. After all, who wouldn't raise their hand if I were to say who wants a healthy marriage? Who wants to just just look at their husband or wife and just say, I love you. I love you so much. This is crazy because, man, I'm going to go home and tell my wife that. Because I love her. I love her so much. And it doesn't mean that anybody is perfect. Jesus starts it with the heart. I mean, for me, when I hear it starts in the heart, I'm just saying for me, this is how I look at it. Okay, this is just me. Don't, don't go write it down in some note. Don't, if you're taking notes, don't, don't. I don't want to be wrong. Um, but I look at it like this. It starts in the heart because the heart's a seed. And when you, when you plant a tree, you plant a seed. The seed's underneath the ground. You don't see it yet. Jesus is saying it starts in the heart. And if your heart, you've done it, you've already done it because something begins to germinate and take place. And then, you, and then what do you do? You get this little thought or this little sin taking place inside you. You begin to water and water it. Maybe it's someone at work and you're just friends and, and you're just hanging out. And, and all of a sudden you're talking and all of a sudden it starts to get in, right? It comes in. You might not even think about it. It might be an emotional attachment. You don't know which angle it's going to come from. And then that begins to germinate and you're watering it and you're watering it. You're going unchecked. And then all of a sudden it begins to birth and all of a sudden the, the little springlet comes out and, 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 and maybe you're going to lunch together. I don't know. And it grows and it grows. And pretty soon there's this big tree, this big albatross, and then it's been manifested into the physical uh, ramifications of the sin that's taking place. And, 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 and here it is, it's coming from the heart. And so maybe it's time that we begin to tackle it at the core root of the issue. And I think what Jesus is saying is, is, is that when, you, when the tree is already there and the sin's already taken place, what's left is triage. Go back to your heart and begin to ask God, search my heart, oh God, see if there be any wicked ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what David prayed. He put himself on the table and he said, do surgery on me. Maybe it's time we started asking God. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know what you're saying, but okay, maybe not. Maybe, maybe what I'm saying is this. If you're not tracking me because I'm talking too fast or walking around like an idiot, that's fine. But go home and just ask God to reveal to you what's going on in your heart. If you think that there might be an area in your marriage that could get stronger in this way. Maybe your intimate needs aren't being met in, as far as encouragement and those love languages. I, I mean, it's a time together. It's words of affirmation. It, it's, it's a bunch of other things. Maybe you need to sit down with your spouse 
spouse and say, you know, I'm really hurting. Here's where I'm hurting. And, and I want to tell this to you now because I don't want this to manifest into some sort of issues later. And you need to work on your marriages right away. And you need to get to that point. Maybe some of you have already stepped in through the door. Maybe it's, it's like, uh-oh, I think I'm beginning to develop an emotional attachment. Cut it off. It's okay. I don't know. I don't know wh where you're at. Jesus does. And as I was reading today, it was this. It, and all week, it was like, who am I to judge? Because if we got real about it, and what Jesus is saying, it begins in the heart. I really hope that when we read that passage, we begin to quit throwing the sticks at somebody else, and we begin to say, whoa, search my heart. Hold on. Time out. But we hide it behind the guilt and shame. He, he makes it so important in the next two verses. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And then he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts uh, of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, well, I'm not saying that. I hope that everybody doesn't show up with just one eye next week. All right, I, or one hand. Do your left hand so we can shake your hand if you're going to do one. Um, but doesn't it make it very powerful? Now, what happens when you have to tell your kids something twice? Don't make me tell you a third time. <laughs> he, he, he's coming right in, and he says it, and then he says it again. There's, there, there's a powerful statement being made, and there's an, there, there's an absolute truth behind what Jesus is saying. He's saying, nothing is more important than your spiritual life. Nothing is more important than your walk with me. Nothing. It's more important that if something gets in that way, do anything and everything you can to protect yourself from that getting in the way between you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Anything and everything that you can do. He raises the bar. He goes to the heart. Yeah, I, I, I could sit here for the next 10 minutes and just, just, I mean, I wouldn't be able to ramble them off, but I would be able to give you for 10 minutes all the reasons or ways in which we may have been unfaithful to our spouse or to God. But I implore you today, begin asking God, which ways? You might not have even thought of it one way or the other. Maybe God's revealing to you right now. Maybe he's saying, check up. Maybe this is, this is the door being opened in your relationship to say, hey, we need to sit and have a talk. I need to share my heart with you. I have a good friend, and um, I was talking with him last week, and he said, uh, he goes, man, he goes, man, uh, things are going great. And I'm like, I'm like yes, awesome. And I go, what, what changed? And he goes, we sat down and we talked. I go, really? He goes, yeah, but I, I told her how I really felt, and she told me how she really felt. I'm like, wow, praise God. Maybe there's nothing going on, but maybe, maybe you still need to talk. Crystal and I, we just have a rule. We, we, the, first, the first thing that Crystal and I had to do is we had to say, we're going to make it safe. I said, honey, um, uh, before I have brothers in the Lord that I do life with and accountability, I believe God's design was for me to have that with you. That's what I said to her. And she goes, I believe the same thing because it's here, right? There's more talk on marriage between a man and a woman and the relationship between the two than there is on, on men doing a life together 
and accountability. So we made a decision, and so the next thing we had to do is we had to make it, we had to make it safe. That's not necessarily uh, uh, easy. Because you, 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 you might think, okay, I want it to be safe for you or for me, but it <laughs> might not be safe for you. Careful. So we made it safe. And we said, well, in what ways can we begin to practice true transparency with a husband and a wife so that we can safeguard in our marriage these things from happening? Well, we both agreed we, we, need, to, we need to talk about it. Ouch. Does that mean that, that, that I talk to Crystal when, when, when I see a situation that I may have be beheaded towards or maybe if we're walking down the road and there's a, there's a bunch of girls walking by? Yes, uh, us guys call it bounce our eyes. That means we look away. But, but I added one. I bounce my eyes and I tell her I did. She's like, thanks. Yep, yep no problem. You look good today, baby. <laughs> and then I walk into the pool. <laughs> Well, maybe it's time to just sit down and say, hey, let's have a safe conversation so that we can be safe. If we all struggle with it, right? If it's, if it's a true sin that exists out there, we have no problem with saying, hey, help me with this, help me with that. But the one thing that is sin against God and each other, right, is this one. Isn't this the one we should be talking about the most? So maybe it's just a point of having a conversation. The second thing is, because God leveled the playing field by saying it's a sin of the heart, there, there sh- it should not be one-sided. So, so, so if you're thinking right now, hoo, 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 I want to get her or I want to get him and <laughs> we're, we're going to get this thing going so they can tell me everything they've done wrong. Time out. Why don't you go into it thinking what God wants you to say? You might not have anything going on right now, but you might want to just clear the channels. Maybe God's opening up the door because he knows what's coming. And you might need to say, hey, let's just start talking about this stuff. Let me tell you more about the people at my work. Let me tell you about how they are. Let me tell you about what my relationships are with them. Let me tell you about what's going on. Let me tell you about my life. Start having conversations. Start having conversations with one another and being open and transparent. There's freedom. Some of you might be sitting here today thinking, oh, no way. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that's not okay, but I get it. The guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the, and the door you might have to walk through. You might be thinking, um, uh, Jim, and if I open up um, to my spouse, if I open up to my spouse, they'll leave me. But if you need to come talk to a pastor, come talk to a pastor. But I can honestly tell you, though, if you do, us as pastors are going to work towards that reconciliation with you. We want, we want healthy, not hairy marriages, healthy marriages. We want that. We want health. We want to see the things happen. And the doors are hard to walk through. But do not, do not, do not. It's time we took, we took this, this weapon away from the enemy of guilt and shame and we poke him in the eye with it and say, get out of our church. It's time we started getting a little upset at the fact that we have so much weight inside of our hearts, so much condemnation that, 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 that is literally like we got a spiritual pneumonia. You ever had pneumonia where you felt like your chest was just pressed and you could barely grab a breath of bronchitis? That sin on top of us that's going unconfessed and undealt with and we're just walking with that albatross every day, day in and day out, and the enemy's just keeping you down. He just loves it. 
He loves it. You can't, you won't, you won't ever amount to anything. You're who you are, you're worthless. Bull. (laughs) You're not worthless. (laughs) No one here is without sin. So get off our high horses. Start taking the steps. And I don't don't say it because I'm any better than you. I'm I'm probably much worse. I say it because I want to see God's church free from the bondage of sin. I want to be. I'll be selfish. I don't want the albatross on me every day of my whole life walking in condemnation when God's word says there are no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to walk in that light. I want to walk in the light of being forgiven. Maybe some of you have been holding the thumb down too hard on someone who's hurt you. Take the thumb off and start looking into your own heart. Some of you just got to just, look, look, I I said this uh, in the podcast, Matt, I keep stepping on my shoestring. I said that in the uh, podcast with Mac the other day. I said, uh, look, nobody can fix their marriage. But who can? Christ. You, you can't. Good luck. But I know this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of each one of us, God can and will bring forgiveness, love, and mercy, and marriages can begin to get restored and repaired. And I also know this. But those who have been hurt, my heart breaks and grieves with you. This is not a sermon to make you walk out feeling any other. I'm so sorry. But not near as sorry as Christ is for you. Please accept that. But also know that there is hope. Now I'm going to conclude um, with this one thing. It's the thing that, that, that is the remedy for every marriage. And I'm going to tell you how to fix your marriage. I can do it. <laughs> every marriage that lives a God-centered marriage and every couple that actively pursues that God-centered marriage together through prayer, obedience, the word, exalting the Father relationship that's fully dependent on the Holy Spirit can see restoration. You see, the problem is how we get where we are. We get where we are, we get to these things is because of sin and God not being in the center of our marriage. That's how we get there with everything. It's pretty easy. Trust me, I can get there faster than most. That's why God has to stay in the middle. You can't fix anything, he can fix everything. It's a 100% to zero ratio. You can't, he can. You can let him take over. Thank you again for listening to audio from Glenmeadows Baptist Church. For previous sermons and more information, please check out our website at gmbc.org.